Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. Hi, this is PJ Ewing. I am here with Dr. John Everett in Michigan. I'm really excited to be here for just a brief little moment to learn a couple things. Uh, Dr. John Everett just had a knee replaced. He considered how to do it, what to do, who to do it with, has gone through the whole process. We are about three weeks post-surgery, and I'm here to listen to Dr. John explain what what it was like. Welcome, first of all, to the, the broadcast, and maybe start with your background and then tell us a little bit about your knee story. Well, my background, I'm an anesthesiologist in Lansing, Michigan, been here for 35 years, bow-legged anesthesiologist, and my story revolves around the fact that I tore my meniscus in my left knee in 1995, and I was told at 10 years you need a knee replacement. I put it off, put it off, had what's called a microfracture in 2010, got me nine more years, and finally decided it needed to be replaced. Now, I have experience because I had an acute injury on my right knee, and had a partial knee replacement in 2017, which went really well. But unfortunately, I'm in an old group of people, and my partners needed their hips replaced, so I had to put my left knee off until August 23rd, which I did. The background is I'm a bow-legged runner, and I ran too many miles and skied too many miles, and they finally failed. So it was time to have a partial knee replacement. Now, you guys, there's a unicompartmental, which is one side, or a total knee. I've only had the medial side, the inside of my knee replaced. So I had it done August 23rd as an outpatient at a surgery center. I checked in at 12.30. I was home at 4.30. And they brought me the X10. But if you follow the guidelines and push what it is, the big thing in knee replacement is range of motion. So I got my range of motion from 0 to 130 degrees back in about seven days. The biggest thing was not the pain after four days, it's the swelling, which you have to work on. And finally, at three weeks, the swelling's gone. And so that's my story. I, I, I just push it a bit, not too much. And then yesterday, which was, I don't know, almost three weeks out, I finally realized I was walking up and down the stairs normally. Prior to that, you're limited by the amount of swelling you have. And it, it is a bit. Swelling's a bit. Yeah. Swelling is everything in this process. I mean, that's what eventually causes scar tissue. In the short term, it inhibits motion, gets in the way, basically, of your bending. And so getting that swelling out of there was, I think, pretty important. Just three weeks later, a few days ago, you say, really, there's no swelling at this point. No. Before our call, you mentioned that you're driving, took a 40, 50-minute trip back and forth. You know, you're, you're, you're back to life. Half, I drove to Detroit yesterday. I, I had to go see a friend of mine. Gotcha. Well, my orthopedic surgeon says when you're not taking pain medicine, you can drive. Well, being an anesthesiologist, what, what was your pain regimen after the surgery? First of all, I had an outpatient surgery center. Now, I, later I can tell you about my experience at the hospital where you do lots of joints. But I had a double block called a quad-sparing femoral nerve block and an IPAC, which is a block behind the knee. So when I came home from surgery, I had zero pain, which is fake because I did too much the next day. So I had surgery on a Friday. I was doing yard work on Saturday because I had no pain, and the swelling didn't hit yet. But I'm a bit crazy. The pain regimen we use is we use a multimodal therapy. We use Celebrex, Neurotin, and Tylenol up front. I had uh, Norco and Tramadol, which are both sort of narcotics, 
with a couple pills of Dilaudid if it got really bad at night, which I did use the first three nights because it did hurt at night. Night's worse than the daytime because you're, you're distracted by moving during the day. They gave me a bunch of pills. I've taken about a third of them. So I'm down to just a Celebrex in the morning with an aspirin to prevent uh, deep vein thrombosis. And that's what I'm on. Were you concerned uh, I, about I, DVT at all? Was that a worry at all or, or not? No. It depends on the activity. I mean, I had physical therapy come for four visits, but if I'm already walking and moving and driving and shopping, I, I don't know what the physical therapist is doing for me. Other people might need more. The X10 was three times a day, which for the first 14 days I did, and then I cut back to in the morning just to get my range of motion fired up in the morning, and then I... I didn't need it after that. I kept it for a week more than I should have, maybe three weeks, just because I didn't know what else to do. Because at two weeks, I didn't know I'd make three weeks. But today I went bicycling on, on a spinner and went to the Mac and worked out, and that's that. There's no uh, fly in the ointment here. You just had a, a great recovery. I mean, acknowledging, right, let's just say it, a medial replacement is not a total, it's a, it's a different story. And your recovery certainly can be better. In your case, you've proven that. I mean, you were done, sounds like almost at two weeks, but you've gotten certainly at three weeks, you're done. The need for more physical therapy was it was limited, you know, early along. You got rid of the pain meds. I mean, there isn't much more. And you've also described, I believe, you said before our call, but let's say it now, your strength never went down and you're just as strong as you were before surgery? I can't lose much strength in a week. I did no prehab. Well, at my job, I worked 10 miles a day. I walked 10 miles a day. Mm -hmm. And I, it wasn't like I was so painful I couldn't do anything. So. so you didn't do any prehab, didn't need to do that, recovered very quickly. Your strength is just as good now as it was pre-surgery. Let's jump to your job. You are an anesthesiologist. And uh, is it Sparrow Hospital? Is that right? In Lansing, yep. And we do okay. a lot of total joints, 20 a week. This is why I'm so excited to call you because I love your recovery story and that's welcome to hear. But, but what I, I don't know, uh, forgive me, but I really don't know much about anesthesia. I, I've read some things, some very cursory explanations, but I'm wondering if you could just start at the very beginning when a, and a general anesthesia is administered, what happens to the body? Why do we go to sleep? What's going on at the cellular level there? Well, we're not quite sure yet, but... We don't use general anesthesia mostly for total joints. I've been in practice since 1983, and when I left my residency, regional was the way to go with total joints. But I went to a hospital where the surgeons were in too much of a hurry, so they wanted general. Then, about eight years ago, they decided, well, there's too much evidence that regional anesthesia, spinal, for example, to numb you from the waist down, is better for recovery and decreasing clotting problems like pulmonary embolus and deep vein thrombosis. So we've gone back to doing almost all of our total joints with spinal anesthesia. And then we've gone to a phase of what's called multimodal anesthesia, analgesia, which is using more than narcotics. So all of our total joint patients get Celebrex, which is a non-steroidal, Tylenol, and then we load them with gabapentin, which is a Neurontin-type drug that blocks some other stuff. And then, for example, my total knee, I had a double block called a quad-sparing femoral nerve block, which blocks the front of the knee. And then what's called an IPAC. You guys are welcome to Google it. It's really cool. 
which blocks the pain in the back of the knee. So I had that done on my outpatient surgery, and I had 36 hours of no pain, which is good and bad, like I said before. I maybe did too much because the day after my knee replacement, I was doing yard work because my block was still working. Tell so, me about how they're administered. Is this in the spine or are there other injections that are local? Spinal to anesthetic is a spinal. Right? So we turn you on your side. We poke you in the back. We put a little bit of local anesthetic in the cerebral spinal fluid, and it will numb you from the waist down for about four hours. After that, when you're numb, then we do the other blocks at the knee level. So one's in the middle of the thigh and the other's behind the knee. And those are little, uh, I don't want to use the wrong words, but are those creations, cocktails, combinations of medicines that you've already predetermined? It's not unique to the individual patient. No, it's this is what you do. This is, yeah, and this is standard across the country now. Okay, standard across the country. This is how you do it. And uh, are there brands? You mentioned some brands. It sounds like there are go-to brands of ingredients that are going into these, these injections. Is there variety there, or is it you've determined this way back when, and it's just, it's just about doing the injection? Well, the spinal is standard. Okay. And we do not use a long-acting local in most blocks, except for when I had mine as an outpatient. We just use regular local, which gives you about 18 hours of pain-free work. The big thing in total joint rehab is to get up and be mobile. So the reason we do this quad-sparing femoral block down the thigh is so you don't lose the strength of all those quad muscles, the four muscles in the thigh, so you can be up in ambulatory in a hurry. I walked out of my surgery and got in my car. They gave me a walker, and I put it in the trunk, and that was the last time I used it. I guess, let me go back to the question that I had before. And you, again, you say we don't know, but why does the body react to these anesthesias the way it does? What's happening that puts, that blocks the nerve? What, what, what's, what's going on inside there when, when you inject that? With a spinal, we put a local anesthetic in. I could do a CME on it, but basically it blocks the nerves Ability to conduct pain. It's uh, conduct pain or sense yeah. anything. Is that right? No, that's correct. No, okay. the, the local goes in and blocks the nerve ability to have an electrical impulse back to the brain. Feeling and motor, both. Mm-hmm. You can't go up to the brain. The brain can't send anything down. It, it is blocked. It's like somebody's taking a clip and put it across the nerve bundle. They're not functioning. Temporarily. No. Temporarily. Right. No, they can't fire. I mean, I can get really into it, but I don't think you want this crowd. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just so, it's so interesting. Because we talk about a thing called neuromuscular re-education, which we, in a layman's term, talk about reconnecting, getting those muscles, to, those nerves to fire again, and have those connections kind of realigned after the surgery. It's a thing where we're trying to just grab control over our muscles again. Is that not relevant to what, what happened to you? Did you not have to re-educate any, any nerve muscle connections? No, no, it wasn't that long. You have to re-educate your muscle if you're with this knee replacement because your muscle doesn't want to move. I mean, I was told by my physical therapist, you can't flex your knee much because your quads, the muscles in the front, I'm going, no, no, I've been injured. You, you can't do that to me, which is why this, God, it's felt like a salesman, <laughs> Okay. By the X10, with a passive range of motion, you just sit there and relax, and it can do its thing. 
because you can't uh, my physical therapist said i can bend your knee way more but you can't do it yourself because the quad muscles on the front won't let you bend it anymore because it knows your knee's injured all of the spinal nerve blocking stuff is temporarily from the local so a spinal's about four hours long that will wear off the peripheral nerve blocks last anywhere depending on the drug they use between 18 and 60 hours Okay, here's one for you. You have a way of doing things. You've got the certain uh, blends of, of the ingredients, the drugs that are going on. How would that differ hospital to hospital, state to state, region to region? Is there much variety there? It should be almost standard. Okay. I mean, there's some mixes. Some people will not use a long-acting local for the peripheral nerve blocks. We do. It's a drug called Expirel. So the blocks are standard. It just depends what drug you use. So you get 18 hours or 60 hours. We're talking to knee patients every second of every day. Uh, you know, that's what we do. But this is just a, a black box for me. And I'm, I'm, I think you've answered some of the questions. I, I don't think I know the right questions to ask, to be completely honest. Uh, and I wish I did. But this, this little education that you've provided, I think, is going to be certainly useful for me. And I think some other folks are going to be going to appreciate that. And then, I don't know, you, you, you mentioned you being a sales guy. Do you want to talk about your hospital or the doctor who did the surgery or anything like that? Because obviously this is a huge success for you. Uh, no, I don't think that's fair to talk about my doctor without having his consent. Got it. But as an okay. anesthesiologist, I know which orthopedic surgeon to pick. Right, right. Well, that I would think so. if anybody knows, you know, <laughs> being yeah. in the operating room. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Well, is there anything else you want to add? This has been great. Honestly, I, no. I appreciate every, I mean, every minute. I mean, did I get your questions had. answered? Totally. Yeah. I, I wish I had better questions, but, but I, I think that there's some well, real I mean, learning here the already. The problem you know. is you're putting this out here for the lay public, right? So right. I really, yeah. I mean, I guess the thing is regional, when you can do it, is the way to go, spinal, and the blocks are great. And the best thing is pushing yourself as hard as you can early. Got I mean, it. I guess I just refused to fail. Well, yeah, I, I mean, had the advantage of having my other knee done already, so I knew what to expect. Right. You're a rock star in a lot of ways. You've got the medical expertise. You've been through this once. You, you did a, a partial a unicompartmental, and you had a great surgeon, uh, you know, and, and you didn't have any loss of strength, which, by the way, is a huge problem for most people. They are, they've lost half of their strength by four weeks post-surgery. It's a giant uh, bogey that they've got to deal with for months, you, you, you skipped all, you, you jumped right to the head of the line, you know, and I'm not saying it's about the extent, I'm saying it's just the way you did this, the way you put these, this thing together. What's um, the attitude you have? I mean, most people have a knee problem, hurt a lot. The question is, how much has it limited them before they had the surgery? I work, you know, 60 hours a week. I walk 10 miles a day at my job. And they go, you have to have prehab. I said, are you crazy? I need prehab. Just get my knee fixed and I'll be right back on the on the you know, on the thing. But I work for myself, so I do have an enticement to get back to work. Yeah. I don't think in two weeks I lost any strength. That's me. Yeah. That's not all of your crowd. Not at all. Well, no, but we want to be like you. It's like the name of this is you know remember the Michael Jordan? Be like Mike? We want to be mm -hmm. like John. We do. Honestly, God, you are the poster child for how this is supposed to go. You know, at least for a uni and you know, and, and a, a person in your situation. I'm not sure it, total will be much different. I, really? I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is.
but I still want to ski, so I didn't want to give up my whole knee and my cruciates sure. and all those ligaments. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. so I'll be out biking this weekend. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a great story. And, and uh, again, I, I know that uh, I jumped into some medical stuff, but I really appreciate your your insight on the on the anesthesia. That's it's been helpful. I'm I'm on a mission to to understand what the heck's going on, and you've really you've really helped. So uh, thank you very much. Well, call back any time because I mean I'd like to educate the public of you know, get back to work. I mean this knee replacement is not the end of your life. Fix it. Well, I can hardly wait to start running again. I've put off running for eight years. I want to play tennis again. No, you've done. You've so got the I range think, of motion to do it. I mean, you've got the strength to do it. Yeah, I got to you, see my gonna, doctor and see if I can actually play tennis because he may not like it. But yeah, all right, well, we'll call back fine. anytime. You got my number. You, you got it. Thank you so much. This has been really great. Appreciate right, it. Bye bye. The Bees Knees podcast comes to you from our studio in Lower Manhattan, New York City. We're here week in and week out, shedding light on all aspects of knee surgery and recovery. To reach us, send an email to thebeesneespodcast at gmail.com.